our topic of discussion today will be, or our Bible study, white privilege. Is there such a thing? Here you see a sign at one of the protests. It says, white privilege is the virus. You know, when you start talking like that, that starts getting pretty dangerous. You know, it basically is telling uh, people that white people are the problem with society. And they're like a virus. And you know where that ends, and it's, it doesn't end in a good spot. Um, but first I want to say, before getting into the scriptures here, I want to say I make no apologies for the privileged inheritance that our white Christian forefathers uh, left us uh, by building this great nation. You know, they were chosen by God to found this nation that was to be a blessing to all people. We'll get into that in a little bit. And blessing to people of, you know, whatever race they are, any race, um, they can participate in those blessings as long as they're willing to assimilate into our culture. Um, and But what we're seeing today is a whole-scale rejection of the blessings that our forefathers left us. Uh, we're seeing everything about them be attacked. They're actually ripping our uh, any memorials, you know, stone memorials of them away, trying to erase them from our memory and so forth. So make no mistake about it. What we're seeing today is an attack upon Christianity um, and, and, um, and the blessings that this nation has offered them. So let's get into, uh, first let's ask this question. What does white privilege mean? Anybody ever think about what that means? Well, I have a, I have a hard time finding out the exact definition, but it basic, to them it basically means that America is set up, everything about America is set up to uh, benefit white people and so forth. Um, but is it true? Well, when you look at all these laws that have been passed, like uh, laws for affirmative action, uh, minorities today, anybody knows that minorities today are given pref preferential treatment um, when it comes to getting jobs. If you want to be a police officer, it's much easier to become a police officer. If you have the same qualifications, many times the, if, if there were a, a black person and a white person, um, trying to get a job to be a police officer and they had the same qualifications, more times than not, the black person's going to get the job simply because of his race, even if he's less qualified in many cases. Um, so right there we know, okay, well, the system isn't rigged against uh, black people or people of any other color. The system is more rigged against white people, if, if we're honest about it. Um, We've got, uh, they're trying to push new laws now. Uh, you know, they're trying to take advantage of, advantage of the emotions and the momentum here to try to pass laws that are supposed to eradicate white privilege. Well, you know what those laws are going to be. It's they're going to be anti-white discriminatory laws. Um, that's what that means. Um, we've already had, you know, um, the system has been rigged against white America in the sense that you have mass immigration from third world countries, um, and, uh, and this has been going on since the 60s, um, and you have illegal immigration. But prior to 1960, we had a different immigration system set up. It didn't, um, uh, if you go into the details, you look it up. It didn't discriminate against people coming from European white nations. Now it does. Now you get, it's very hard to get to America if you're coming from a European white nation to become a citizen. So in other words, we're seeing the opposite. We're, if, we're, if there's any kind of systemic racism, it is systemic racism against uh, white people at this time. Um, why are they promoting this though? Why are they promoting white privilege and saying all these things and trying to get people to kneel down and repent and ask for forgiveness? Well, they're trying to create racial hatred and division in an attempt to destroy America. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 17, But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and the house divided against a house Falleth. Okay, they know the people that are hot, the globalists that are trying to build their one-world government. They know they have to destroy America in order to consolidate it under the umbrella of the kingdom of the Antichrist. That's the end game, and um, 
So what they want to do is they, they want to create these racial tensions, these ra uh, stir up racial hatred, get the, the minorities to hate the white people, not only just to try to destroy uh, Christian America, but just to destroy America um, in general. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about America's privileged inheritance. You know, even if it were true, would that be a sin? If, if, you, um, if you grow up in a wealthy family and your parents passed down an inheritance to you that they worked very hard for and God blessed them with, would that be something you should be ashamed of? If, if you're, uh, let's say your mom or, or not your mom or dad, but your, your parents were uh, very wealthy, they were millionaires, and they, and they passed down those millions of dollars to you, should you then feel guilty and throw it back to the people and say, I'm so sorry, I repent for the blessings of my ancestors? Would, we, would anybody say that? Anybody? Would they feel guilty about that? No, we shouldn't. I mean, all throughout the Bible. and in, in fact, the Bible starts out with... Um, well, in the book of Genesis, God blessing Abraham and his seed and leaving and, and giving him promises of inheritance and blessings that were to be passed down to his descendants. And they weren't to apologize for that. They were to use those blessings to be a uh, blessing unto the world, to, uh, um, to share those blessings by sharing the truth. Um, so anyways, um, so if it were true... If, if the whites were privileged because of the inheritance of our forefathers, does that mean we should systematically dismantle that? Should we do that? Well, let's check out what the scriptures have to say. Genesis 22, verse 17. I kind of got ahead of myself here and mentioned Abraham. But we're going to be talking about Abraham here. That in blessing... I will bless thee, God speaking to Abraham, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed, your descendants, shall possess the gate of his enemies. Um, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now I believe that this actually came, it isn't completely fulfilled yet. It'll be fulfilled when Jesus returns and sets up his uh, millennial kingdom, but uh, in the uh, we've seen a type of this. We've in the uh, founding of America, uh, God promised. I mean, look at our you know look at the blessing here. I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. Look at America's flag; it's got the fifty stars on there. When you really dig into the symbolism of America, you'll find that it all connects to the Bible and it all connects to the blessings that were given to Abraham his seed, as well as uh, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. So, and in thy seed, I don't know if I read this, but I'll read it again. And in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Okay, uh, Much of the world has been blessed because of America. Think about all the missionaries that we've sent around the world. Think of all the financial aid that we've given to other countries to try to help them out of poverty. And you think about all the times we've come to certain nations' uh, rescue to stop, to try to free them from some kind of a, an evil dictatorship or some kind of oppression. Um, we've, you know, standing up against fascism, communism, you name it. Our, if it just think about what the, just think what this world would look like if America wasn't here today. I mean, this would be a totally different place. Um, and that that could be uh, in the future. America may no longer exist as it does now, and we're going to see something totally different, and it's not going to be good. But anyways, verse. Um, I'm going to go over to Romans chapter nine. We're going to we're going to continue on with this. Uh, so, anyways, why I read that is a Abraham's seed, his descendants, they were to to be privileged. They were to be privileged in the sense that God was going to give them power over their enemies. He was going to um, uh, give them great, I didn't go into all this, but he would give them great wealth, great military might, and all these types of things that they were not to apologize for. It was, there, there's no such thing in, in God's kingdom as, look, anybody know the word that we always hear? Equality. Okay, God has a kingdom. Um, I, it would be like me saying, God, I'm not really happy with my position down here on earth. 
I want to be one of the archangels. Why can't I? Why did you make me, you know, an American? I want to be an archangel. I mean, that's, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but a lot of the, the uh, confusion and the turmoil that we see in the world today is that people don't want to be what God made them to be. Boys don't want to be boys. They want to be girls these days. Girls don't want to be girls. They want to be a boy. Um, and you name it. It could go on and on. Never should apologize. Verse, verse 3 uh, of Romans chapter 9. I'm going to skip over to Romans chapter 9. And we're going to talk about this privileged inheritance that God gave to the descendants of Abraham um, that ultimately, it's not the object of this study, but ultimately uh, came through the descendants that founded America today. Romans chapter 9 verse 3 says, For I could, Paul speaking, wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Okay, he really, Paul really loved his people. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with loving your people. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption. Now check this out. These are all privileges here. To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Now underline all those things. Those were things that were given to Abraham's descendants. Now I'm not talking, a lot of people get this mixed up with the Israeli nation over in Palestine today. That Again, that is another topic for another time. But um, there are some true Judah there, but there are also a lot of false uh, Judah there. Right now, they do not possess the inheritance, the, the blessings, and the birthrights. Those, if you're looking for where the end day Israel is, you're looking at it. It's right here, and it's under attack. Um, and when, I said this earlier on Facebook, I said, when you understand that the forefathers of America were the actual descendants of the ten lost tribes of Israel. And, um, and, you, and you, if you understand that, you'll understand what's going on in the world today. There's a war against those people. And uh, we can say it's, it's, uh, uh, it is left, there is a left-right paradigm here, but it's really uh, you know, the, uh, the inheritors themselves turning on their inheritance along with the other people. Um, but uh, that's described in Revelation 12. I was going to get it. We're going to probably do a study on that soon, where it's uh, the the dragon chasing the woman. The woman represented Israel, the and ultimately he goes after the remnant of the woman's seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That Revelation 12 gives you basically the structure and outline of the war between Satan's kingdom and God's people from the very beginning, starting with Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The woman's seed versus the serpent seed, um, and uh, so forth. But anyway, so, so the Israelites, they were given, I mean, God chose them. They were given the, the, uh, they were given the law, the covenants. I mean, there, were, there was no other nation on earth that had all these things. Look at America today. What other nation was one nation under God, had models in God we trust, that was founded by a small church that landed on Plymouth Rock uh, 400 years ago? I mean, these, these are privileges, and, and God... Um, um, has uh, given them out here. Uh, verse 5. Who are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed f- uh, forever. Amen. Um, in other words, Paul says the Israelites are so blessed that even the Messiah himself came through that family line. Verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. Now check this out. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Okay? Right now, doesn't matter if, you have, if you're an Israelite and you have family members that are liberals. Well, right now, they're not really an Israelite because they are an apostate. Um, that's kind of what Paul's talking about here. But check this out. Neither because they are all of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Okay? Now, think about this. Do you remember when um, Isaac was born? Who else was already there? Anybody remember? Ishmael. Ishmael. He was the firstborn, right? But God didn't choose Ishmael. He chose Isaac. Okay? Should we scream out, that's not equality? That's white privilege? 
I mean, th think about that. That's what people are doing today. Um, they, they, they hate everything about our, our founding, uh, not just because it's Christian, but because of the people that had that, they're jealous of that blessing and that inheritance. And they want to take the kingdom by force, by a different means. Um, anyways, so he says, uh, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Okay, there was Ishmael and, uh, whoops, I just lost my connection there. There we go. Um, so Ishmael and um, Isaac were both biological sons of Abraham, but Ishmael was not chosen and Isaac was. That was the point. Um, verse 9, For this is the word of promise, at the same time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac... For the children being not yet born, now check this out, this is important. For the, otherwise, you're not going to really understand what's going on, I'm telling you. If you don't understand this, you'll, you, you'll get caught in the fight and you'll stand for righteousness. But if you really want to have a complete understanding of what's happening, this is paramount. This is paramount. For the children being not yet born, neither have done any good or evil, that, now check this out, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. Okay? In other words, God chooses some people and not others. He has an elect. He has a chosen nation. And um, why? What is that for? Is it for our glory? Is it so we could say, well, I'm an Israelite, everybody else, you just follow what I say? No, it's not for that reason at all. It's to give him glory. Now, if you, if you go back to the Mayflower and you see the Mayflower Compact, uh, they came over here for the express purpose of the glory of God and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it wasn't to advance their mighty race or their might, you know, mighty people, but it was they were chosen because of God's purposes. All right. And it was said, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau have I hated. But that's not fair, God. That's not equal. How could God love Jacob and hate Esau even before they were born? Even before they were born. Um, you know, you think about that. Uh, there were curses put upon uh, various peoples. There was the curse that was put upon Ham. There are, there are, what do you call those, uh, generational curses that are put upon people that people don't realize. You don't talk about that because why? It doesn't fit into the paradigm of equality. We're all the same. Uh, there's no difference between anybody and so forth. Now, I will say this while I'm there. In Christ, all nations, all races are able to partake of the salvation of Christ. But when you look at the prophecies in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel, we're going to get to that here too. I better go fast so, so we can get to it. Um, Israel as a nation is never done away with. It's not replaced. Uh, it's not done away with. They, are, they still make up the center of God's kingdom. Now, all those people can be joined into that kingdom by faith in Christ, but it doesn't replace the promises and the blessings that were given to Abraham according to uh, blood lineage and descendants. Okay, um, So he says, As it is written, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. In other words, is it unrighteous for God to say, I love Jacob but hated Esau? Is it unrighteous for God to have used white Europeans... Now I say that, and people just, when I say that, I know I could just feel people tensing up. You can't say that. Well, I'm going to say it. Is it. Just as it wasn't a sin, or just as we don't want to challenge God for choosing white Europeans, Christians, to come here and found this nation, because what we're seeing again today is an attack upon the very foundation of our nation. This doesn't end until we repent and um, bow our knee and say we apologize for our Christian ancestors that built this nation. They were evil, they didn't do it right, and, and so forth. Um, mark my words, it will not stop until it comes to that. It won't stop after that. Okay, it won't stop after that. We saw with uh, 
we talked about it earlier with Mayor Frey. Is that how you say his name? Fry, Frey, liberal mayor. He, we saw him many times on his knee, you know, with, with the protesters. But today, he was uh, before a big group of protesters not long ago, and he was asked if he would dismantle the police. And he said he was not for dismantling the police, but he was for a total revamp and a total eradication of white supremacy or white systemic racism. But they didn't like that. That, didn't, that wasn't enough. They wanted him to say, I want to get totally get rid of the police. And um, it, it almost looked like they were about to, uh, the mob was about to attack him. It was not good. They were chanting, shame, shame, shame. People getting up in his face as he was walking out. Um, there's an example. If you want to give ground um, and start apologizing for things that are biblical, God will bring shame upon you. I can guarantee that. In fact, there's a scripture in the Bible, and I can't remember where it was. I think it was given to Jeremiah the prophet. He said, I've, give, I've, you know, I've given you the truth. I want you to speak it. But if you back down just one little bit, I'm going to make you, uh, I'm, basically, I'm going to shame you in front of everybody, and you will look like an idiot, a fool. That's what he said to Jeremiah. So when it comes to the truth, I take that seriously. I will never back down on what biblical truth says. I don't care who it offends. I don't care if it makes somebody cry. I don't care if it makes somebody shriek. I could care less. Because you know what God said about Jeremiah? He said, I've made your forehead stronger than their forehead. I've made your head stronger than theirs. And uh, we should all have that attitude. Uh, obviously, we want to present the truth in love. But when it comes down to these very serious things, things. These are issues that our forefathers, uh, recent forefathers, have compromised on. They started apologizing for these things, these things. And where does it lead us? It leads us to the situation we are in right now here today, where we have the enemy surrounding us, and now they're demanding our submission, complete submission. Um, we can never, comp you cannot make peace with Satan. And you can't sugarcoat things and expect that to work. Sugarcoating and all that does is we put, we've been putting band-aids on these problems we've been having in America for some time now. Rather than standing up for the truth and if somebody doesn't like the truth, well um, they can take that up with God, not us. Alright? Um, Alright. For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm kind of getting along a little bit of a rant here, but I'm not going to get into this today. I'm actually going to do a whole study on it maybe next week, we'll see, on the issue of uh, slavery. Um, a lot of people think that America's original sin was slavery, and nobody's going to deny that there were probably some really bad things that had happened. But when you look throughout the Bible, I challenge anybody to find in the Bible where um, the institution of slavery itself is uh, condemned as a sin or it's unbiblical. Slavery was actually regulated in the Bible. Again, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to touch on that topic uh, too much here today. But the point is, is you know, a lot of I will say this: a lot of people, even uh, uh, Joseph, an Israelite, right? He was sold into slavery by his brothers, and uh, lots of bad things happened to him. But you know what he did? He made the best of it. He didn't complain and say the, the Egyptian privilege or something like that. He served the Egyptians well, and what did the Egyptians do? They loved him, and ended up the Egyptian pharaoh ended up making him second in command of Egypt. So the point is, is every dip, God has a plan, right? And this is what he, this is what Paul's saying: I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. So God sometimes puts people through trials and tribulations to bring them into a better spot. It's whether or not we're going to choose to accept that or we're going to blame God and say, it's not equal, it's not equality. It's never been equal. There's never been equality. In fact, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. Satan, Satan's uh, big thing is getting people to want to think everything should be equal. You should always have the greatest thing, right? Um, and I'm getting ahead of myself because God's going to uh, get it. Uh, I'm going to, I got some verses that will let God say it. But anyways... So we cannot question God's uh, choosing of election. Uh, just the very definition, elect in itself, it's in the Bible, it's all over the place. Um, 
tells you that God is favoring one people over another for his glory. Not for those people's glory, but for his glory. Um, all right, so then it is not of him that willeth, but of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Okay, God's in control. Thou wilt then say unto me, this is what people would be saying unto me right now after what I've said, why doth yet he find fault for who hath uh, resisted his will? Um, in other words, they're blaming God, right? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Now that is one of the biggest things going on right now. People do not want to accept what God has made them to be. Okay? They think that everything, uh, like I said, men, uh, men want to be women today. Women want to be men. And people of different races feel that their race is suppressed because God's chosen another race to do a certain thing. And it's not fair is what they say. Equality. Um, verse 21, Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? In other words, God says, Can I not make one uh, you know, one. I'll just take it on a person. Can I not make one person for honor and another person for dishonor? Think about Pharaoh. Pharaoh was chosen by God to bring him honor, but it was through Pharaoh, God uh, chose Pharaoh and he hardened his heart and um, and uh, to bring about his purposes. Okay, so Pharaoh could cry and say, "God, it's not fair that you hardened my heart. I want equality here." It's a, we've got to understand that God. When we try try uh, thinking about what's fair and what's equal, um, we're just we're just not going to get anywhere with God because God has a plan. He's he all of His creation is different. I mean, uh, um, trying to think of an example, a, a lion is not the same as a human being, right? So should I complain to God? Why didn't you make me a lion? I want to be big, powerful, you know, king of the jungle or something like that. Um, and you could go on and on. Uh, perhaps that's a poor example, but we'll get into some here in a second. Se uh, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, okay? Speaking of the descendants of Israel, God says this, and I believe this actually came to pass with, in America, but we're seeing the reverse of it right now. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, think about this. Do you think the Canaanites appreciated that very much? The Canaanites, that God's people were coming in their land and they said, and they said, our God is God, we're chosen to take this land. Of course they didn't like it too much. But did it matter? Were the Israelites supposed to care about that? When you look at the conquest of the land of Canaan, God said, I don't want you to spare, I don't even want you to show mercy unto them. Okay. That was up to God. I mean, but human reasoning today, we'd say that's not equal. That's terrible. We, we won't do that. Okay, well, uh, then disobey God and enjoy the chaos and the tumult that paganism and heathenism has to offer. All right. Uh, Deuteronomy 7 verse 14, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female. Bear now, what I'm reading here today is not anything different than what our founding fathers envisioned America to be. Um, it's just that we've compromised so much from them to now. I mean, think about what we've compromised with gay marriage. Um, it wasn't that long ago that, that it was against the law. Now, even if you're a Christian, now listen to me, even if you're a Christian, it is considered bigotry and hatred to say that homosexuality is wrong. So what we see here, this is progressivism. Started from the founding of our nation, and we just kept giving ground on all these biblical truths until, you know, now I can go back and try to argue for things that our founding fathers were for um, back when they found the nation. And now people would say, no, nope, that's, that's already, we've already discussed that. That issue has been settled, and they were wrong for this, this, and that. But wait a second. Why? Why would they be wrong? If it's in the Bible, why would that be wrong? 
So we keep progressing away from God and we always say that this, this has been settled. Now homosexuality in most Christian circles today has, is settled. We've already had that discussion. We found out it was terrible for us to discriminate against them and uh, now we've accepted it. Okay? And it's because they're not, they have no, they're not on the rock. They just keep sliding down the slippery sand uh, down the pit there. But anyways... 7 verse 14, Thou shalt be blessed above all people, and there shall not be upon uh, not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sicknesses. Now check this out. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Now I'm not saying this is what's going on today, but I do know God did it before. He said he would do it again. But if you, look at, uh, the, if you look at a coronavirus map of where the deaths of coronavirus have happened and you line it up with the voting map, liberal versus conservative, you're going to find out that most of the deaths are happening in the liberal Democrat areas. Um, am I saying that? That's, well, I'm just saying I read the Bible, I study it, and when God says stuff, I don't just say, well, it doesn't happen like that anymore. He doesn't care. It's the way he, when he was mean back in the Old Testament, that's what he used to do, but he doesn't do that anymore. I, you know, I don't think like that. Um, so anyways, I could give some statistics. The death rate for Latino residents is, for the coronavirus, I think this is nationwide, is 29 per 100,000 people as compared with 31 per 100,000 people for black residents. Uh, both much higher than 15 per 100,000 for white residents. Okay? So there's obviously a difference there, and of course uh, that is because there's white systemic racism because uh, of the privileges that the white people have and they're not getting hit as hard, I, I suppose. Anyways, Racial envy and hatred. We'll talk about this. Um, well, I guess we're still talking. Oh, well, it's kind of the same thing. All right, I want to go to uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. And we'll talk about racial... Whoa, whoa. Racial envy and hatred. Better not lean on that. <laughs> All right. Um, this started way back in the beginning. With, with Cain and Abel. First uh, John 3 verse 12 says, Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, wherefore, why did he slay him? Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, uh, Abel or Cain didn't want to make an acceptable offering to God. But he wanted the blessings. He wanted to be the promised seed, right? He wanted to have the inheritance. He wanted the birthright and all those things. But he didn't want to do it the right way. Um, he wanted to uh, elevate himself and get what he wanted for his own selfish purposes. But Cain's offering, or uh, Abel's offering, was acceptable to God. It was a real genuine sacrifice. Now I'm going to mention this again. I keep talking about it because it's this huge. They're going back to saying that if you're paying attention to what's going on, uh, there are people in the African-American community, black community or whatever, that are saying that this year marks the 400th year of slavery and oppression for them. Whereas we know it's been 400 years of God's blessings upon uh, his people at, with the founding of this nation. By the, I know, right, Most people think of 1776 as the founding of America, but... I go back to the pilgrims, that little church that founded this country. And evidently they do as well. And they say 400 years of systemic racism. We say 400 years of God's blessings. Okay? It's the same as the Cain and Abel thing. Um, those, for, our forefathers that came here, they, many of them died. They risked their lives. They sacrificed, they sacrificed a lot to get here for not themselves, but for God. It was a sacrifice that they had made, and God blessed them with many blessings. I mean, um, I could, we could go on and on and talk about that, but anyways. So what we're, seeing there, what we're seeing today is that there's this envy and hatred for the founding fathers of America. Again, look at what they're doing. If you question that, look at what they're doing to our cities. They're tearing down any statues of our American heroes, both, it doesn't even matter you know, what side they were on, they're even defacing the Lincoln Monument. 
okay? Which supposedly I thought was supposed to be a good thing. Lincoln was a good thing for them. But there's not, it, it's, it's complete envy, jealousy, and hatred that has been stirred up in their hearts. Um, going back to the beginning, back to Genesis. Satan tried to get Eve not to be happy with her position, uh, the way that God had created her. Um, and check this out. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die if you partake of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Now check this out. Underline this. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What did he tempt Eve to want to do? I don't want to just be mankind. I don't, I don't want to just be a part of the human race, if you would. She wanted to be as the gods. Hey, it's not fair that those angels up in heaven know a lot more than you do. So if you take of this knowledge, you can be like them. Okay? So, again, should we complain and, um, and again, should I complain and say, God, why didn't you make me an archangel in your kingdom? Where's the equality here? Uh, it's not very fair. You know, why don't we, why isn't there socialism? Why are we all just the same? You see where this all leads? Um, anyways. All right. So Eve wasn't satisfied with the way God, with what God had given her in, in his kingdom. Uh, neither, surprisingly, are the angels, the fallen angels, neither were they satisfied with their home, where they were supposed to be, their lot in the kingdom. Now check this out. Jude 1 verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation... He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, if you, if you studied Genesis chapter 6, and you found out that before the flood of Noah, and even afterwards, the fallen angels came down and co they, they took themselves wives of humans. And uh, those children, the offspring of that union of, of a supernatural angel and a human, were the giants. The giants, I mean, uh, uh, of which uh, Goliath was one of them, okay? Half, they're called the Nephilim, uh, the half-human, half-angel hybrids, okay? So they, they, they tried to mix these two different creations together, and God didn't like it, and it corrupted the earth so bad that God had to bring a flood. But what is the point? The angels were not satisfied with being angels. Hey, I think those girls down there are kind of pretty, and I want to go have me one of them, is what they thought. Well, just But God didn't make the daughters of Adam for the angels. He made them for the sons of Adam. But they weren't happy with that. So what we see here, this overlying theme, is people are not satisfied with what God has created them for. Um, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Again, the homosexuals, they were, you know, if they were made a man, they'd decide, I want to go after strange flesh. I want to cohabit with a man, or vice versa. And, um, God says this is all leading to the vengeance of eternal fire. Nobody's happy. Um, Ezekiel 28 verse 12 of Satan himself here says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus uh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, thou sealest up the sum. Now check this out. Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden... Uh, the garden of God. Now check this out. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the uh, carbuncle. And I don't know if I'm saying these all right. And gold. And the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. In other words, what God said, Satan, I gave you all of these things. You were so blessed. You had everything. But what did Satan do? I'm not happy with you, that you gave me everything, God. You made me the most glorious angel. Um, but uh, I want to be, what did he want to be? God. Okay. Uh, you also have, what do you, what do you have also these days, uh, what we're going to see? Antichrist wants to be Christ. See, every, you see what I'm, you see what, nobody's satisfied with their role 
uh, in creation. All right. Israelites, we talked about this a little bit. I'm going to go in and uh, see what we're doing for time here. I'll try to read through these quickly here. Israel, the Israelites are the center of God's kingdom today, yesterday, and forever. We're going to see it. It's, it's uh, a lot of people, and I fell into this trap for a little bit. We you spiritualize Israel. You say uh, Israel's the church now, um, but then. Anybody that's honest with themselves still sees these scriptures and say, well, why does it keep saying Israel here and mentioning the nation still separate in the eternity? Um, the, so everybody can have salvation in Christ, but it doesn't do away with the purposes and the plans that God had for the nation of Israel. Again, we're not talking about the small remnant of the tribe of Judah that's in Jerusalem today, um, that many of which do not even believe in Christ. We're talking about those millions and millions of Christians in America and other European nations that forgot who they were. They don't even know that they're the Israelites. And you can study them. You know, I, uh, here's an example. Isaac's sons, or I'm sorry, Saxons. I just gave it away. Saxons, do you know what that means? The Anglo-Saxons, you know, which mo- throughout Europe. The sons of Isaac. Okay, so they knew who they were. It was, it was just kind of forgotten. You see all these things. If you go into the linguistics of it all, you find out that... Um, the, just the changing of the way they said things uh, uh, caused them to forget who they were. Um, they knew who they were. They forgot who they were. God even told us in the book of Hosea that the Israelites would forget who they were and that at some point he would reawaken them to their destiny and their purpose. Um, in fact, you even have, a, in the book of Revelation, you have 12,000 that are sealed from each tribe of Israel. Um, and uh, not just the tribe of Judah or not just the, what many people call the, the, they, the Jews today. Okay? The Jews only make up one tribe, a small part of that. All right, so anyways. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Did you know that George Washington actually, um, you know, he was inaugurated twice. We hear about uh, one of the places he had, I can't remember, one time he placed his hand on the open Bible to another chapter, but uh, the other inauguration, he, he opened up to Deuteronomy 28, and it was all about the blessings and cursings that would come upon the nation of Israel. Whether they... Blessings if they obeyed God's commandments and cursings or curses if they disobeyed. And if you read through this chapter, I'm not going to go through, I'm just going to highlight a few verses. If you read through this chapter that from beginning to end and, re, and you just realize this is talking about America, you will see exactly what is happening to our country to the, in detail. But anyways, he says, um, I will set the, did I read this verse? And it shall come to pass that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Well, we don't like any talk of American exceptionalism. And you hear the liberals rip on that because it suggests that your nation is somehow more superior or better than other nations. Well, um, that was the plan, yes. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 9. The Lord shall establish thee, I'm skipping down here, and holy people, separate, holy means separate, a separate people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Okay? So we shouldn't apologize for that. We should never apologize for being a separate and a holy people set aside for God's purposes. Verse 13, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. Okay, You're not supposed to be getting on your knees, is what God's saying, before other peoples. Um, If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Okay? Um, skip it on down to verse 32. 
This is, so God said, if you keep my commandments, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be a superpower, a superpower nation. Nobody's going to mess with you. You will be powerful, rich, you know, that make America great again. You'll be great. But if you don't obey my commandments, this is, this is part of that. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look, and shall fail with longing for them all day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. Think of how many parents today have lost their children to the rap hip-hop culture today that has, that has totally brainwashed their minds and to get them to think heathen thoughts rather than godly thoughts. Um, it's happening. It's happening before our very eyes. Verse 33, he says, The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation, shall a people, which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be oppressed and crushed always. So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. Okay. So when we look at Minneapolis today, we look at all the other cities, what do you think most Christian conservatives are doing right now, even Americans? We're mad. We're very angry. How can we let this happen? Well, we've let it happen. Okay. We've let it happen by disobeying his commandments as a nation. We've allowed abortion, gay marriage, and I go on and on. It, it's, uh, anyways. Skip it on down to for, verse 43. The stranger that is within thee, okay, or the non-Israelite that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. We're seeing that happen today. They're trying to get us to do it as well. Bow the knee, right? Bow the knee. I apologize for everything that God has blessed our nation with. We're so terrible to, to, to have uh, uh, done all these horrible things. All right. Now I'm going to quickly read through these verses and we'll close it up. About America's, uh, or about the children, of this, this chapter here is proof that God has not done away with, even Paul says it in the, in the uh, New Testament, he said, has God done away with Israel? Has he forgotten about them? He says, God forbid. Okay, God forbid. He has not forgot about them. But these verses here speak of the time of the millennial age when Jesus returns, as well as, I think it even projects out further into the uh, new Jerusalem, new heavenly Jerusalem. Now check this out. And say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will take the children of Israel okay, from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. That hasn't happened yet. I know some people think it happened in 1948. Um, but again, I said, if, if there are some true Judah there, it's very, a very small remnant. It, it's not talking about the, enti the entire nation of Israel, all 12 tribes. Um, bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. Again, I keep saying that, but we're not going to go into that today. The split of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, they had a civil war and they never reunited. But most people only know about Judah and they forgot about Israel. And that's part of the plan. Uh, but... But this is the future uh, prophecy concerning them. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor their detestable things, nor of any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And now this gives us hope because this is coming. We're, we're seeing the opposite, and we're probably going to see the opposite continue where we get surrounded by the heathen and our nation goes into almost complete destruction, but then God's going to reverse it when Jesus returns and, and bring us home. And, and David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. They shall walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant. Okay? It's a land that's set aside for one people, one nation, um, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children. And my servant David shall be prince, shall be their prince forever. 
Um, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant to them. And I will place them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle shall also be with them, yea, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now check this out. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Okay, that doesn't happen. This isn't going to happen by bowing a knee and apologizing for all of the blessings that God has given you and for the purposes that God has chosen you for. Um, God's going to reverse this the other way around. You know, they want us, the heathen want us to bow down before them. But guess what's going to happen in the end? Every knee is going to bow before Christ and things will be set right. And God says the heathen are going to know. Um, these non-Israelite nations are going to know that I've chosen Israel and I sanctified them for this purpose, though they've rejected that purpose and have blamed us for all their problems. All right, questions or comments? I sometimes, sometimes struggle with this uh, in our nation today. Obviously, uh, I do believe it's God's nation, God's people are here. But if half of the nation is a bunch of heathens and don't believe in God, in fact, maybe even hate God and all of his blessings. Uh, I just always struggle with how does God punish a nation for, uh, it's probably not half, but a certain amount of the people within the nation aren't doing that and they aren't, uh, they are not uh, sinning in that way and you know what I mean? It's like... Well, uh, here's... You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, you have uh, a lot of Trump supporters, conservatives, um, but among even that group, very few of those really actually study the Word of God on a regular basis. So it isn't whether or not we support Trump, which we should. I love him. I think he's chosen by God to do what he's doing. But if we really want this stuff to stop, it's got to be a turning back to the Word of God, not just a political movement, not just let's advance conservatism, let's just advance. It's, it's got to come from obedience to his word. I just don't see that happening. Um, I know a lot of people just, just they just don't take the time to study. Right. Um, I mean, do you believe that then God just <coughs> kind of isolate and protect and people that are actually getting back into the word when this country starts to fall apart even more? And I do. It talks about um, in Revelation 12, and I, I don't know all the details about it, but it talks about when the dragon's chasing the woman, when he's trying to destroy Israel as a nation, um, he chases after, uh, uh, well, it says that she goes into the wilderness and she has a, she has a place where, uh, a place of protection away from the dragon for that time. So I, I don't know if that's a literal place or not, but I think even right now in the areas where a lot of us live now are somewhat protected from what's going on. Um, but I do believe if it gets really bad, that God will protect the remnant. We do know the two witnesses will be here at some point. And, man, if you read about some of the things that they'll do, they're not going to be very nice guys. I mean, they're going to be bringing fire down from heaven, burning up some people, and bringing plagues as often as... God says, I'm going to give them power to bring plagues upon the earth as often as they will. So, I mean... If people aren't used to, I mean, they're not going to look like Christian. Uh, those two witnesses are not going to look like Christians, right? They're going to, the world's going to think they're the Antichrist. Okay? Just like when I'm teaching kind of strong at times, people, I've been accused, that's not very Christian like. Okay? Um, we've been so brainwashed to the point where we don't, in fact, yesterday I was looking, I'm kind of getting off on a ramble here, but yesterday I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to be really positive for a day here. I'm going to find a real positive Bible verse, a real uplifting Bible verse and post it. And I'm going through the Psalms and I'm reading all these Psalms and it's like, there's, I mean, there's a lot of positive stuff there, but there's a lot more. This is a struggle that they're in. Every Psalm is written from, you're in a battle, you're in a struggle and they're praying for the destruction of the enemy, you know, and the heathen and stuff like that. And I just came to the conclusion that, you know, because we are in a war right now, most of the Bible is aggressive. Most of it is not positive. Most of it's, 
either a prophet boldly proclaiming the truth or, or um, you know, some other kind of a lament or something like that. But, I mean, yeah, there, you know, we have the hope of New Jerusalem and things like that. But, um, it, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a, when you do that, though, when you try to find the positive verses, you realize the churches today, they must struggle really hard because that's all, they, that's why they only have like a cherry-picked view that you hear all the time. It's because the Bible's not completely full of just sugar-coated niceness. I mean, um, it's just not it. So I kind of got off track from your question, but... Well, yeah, two witnesses, I think, will, will provide protection for us. Um, like, just kind of like uh, the Israelites under Moses and Aaron when they were, God was striking the Egyptians with plagues. I think, I think when you're looking at the end times, I think like the vials, I know a lot of people think that we're going you know, to escape the tribulation and things like that. Um, I obviously take the standpoint of it being an overcomer, all the scriptures that tell us that we're going to endure through the tribulation, but be protected here on earth. I mean, that's, that's why we're here. We're not here just to get to the battle and then, whoosh, you know, escape and run. We're here to fight. And uh, I don't know. That's probably why I joined the military and stuff. I like. I, I. I think I was born to fight. I'm not the, the sugar-coated, sweet kind of a Bible teacher. And I don't think I ever will be. Even if I tried, I don't think I could. I'm a nice guy. My wife knows I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I really am loving. This week, maybe I should try to. You know, with all the stuff going on, maybe I should try to put something out like more lovey-dovey or something. Yeah. Attempt to. Yeah, that's what I was explaining. I was going through the Psalms. I'm like, this is very hard to do it, at least in context, without... Do you think that God is exposing his elect versus... And not saying elect by being better than anybody. I don't mean it that way. But I mean he's exposing his people that are chosen versus the people that aren't at this point. That's why we have such a separation and yeah. how we think. Right. I, I believe on many levels, and I think God's using Trump to do just that, uh, not the elect necessarily, but he's, exp- I mean, Trump has exposed so many hypocrites, so many frauds. I mean, it's like God's using him just, God's using Trump to antagonize all these people to get him to come out. <laughs> but, uh, I just mean general people. But, you know, there's just there seems to be like a big line down the middle. You either right. believe this way or you believe that way. There's no middle anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I, it's maybe a little bit of a middle, but it's being separated yeah. completely. I think so. And the danger is, and that's why I'm teaching a message like this, is um, if we start compromising biblical truth, we end up, Getting on the other side eventually. It's this, this, you know, this, this slow pull, the slow drag over to, you know, once you start saying, well, maybe there is some white systemic racism in some areas, and you know, then you, then you start believing that, and then it, it's just, a, it's a slippery slope. Um, and w- one reason why I did this study today is because even if it were true, which it's really not, it's the opposite right now. Even if it were true, and we, and and let's say white Christians were somewhat privileged. Uh, because of inheritance and stuff like that, um, it wouldn't be unbiblical. It wouldn't be unbiblical for it to be that way. Now, should they take that privileged status and be uh, high and mighty or mean to other people? No, you would take that privileged status and reach out a hand to try to help people up to the tr- uh, in a truthful way, not a fake way, not I'm going to give you welfare, I'm going to give you all these things. You know, it's uh, by helping them up, by showing them the truth and saying you can overcome you can overcome whatever status you're in right now. Um, it, it, let's say, again, I'll, I'll go back to Joseph. He was a slave uh, for a long time before God, uh, before he overcame and um, um, was set on high. But, but he had to overcome. He had to endure that period. And God chooses different people to go through different things. Um, you know, like the... Uh, the founding fathers, they weren't, no, they weren't slaves, right? But they went, they th- went through a different kind of persecution. I mean, they, they had to escape religious persecution in Europe. Um, then they had to go over these treacherous seas to get here. So that was a different kind of tribulation that they had to go through. Point is, everybody has different uh, uh, struggles to go through and to overcome. Christian Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. 
If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on.